The story about who we are, by which we tell ourselves, is the one we grow to believe. No matter what others say in relation to facts and assumptions, the question is, do we believe that it determines the outcome of our future? Welcome to the latest episode of The Glory in Our Stories. Life. You're born into the world, you grow, you mature, you go to college, you start a career and a family. Looks like everything goes as planned. Or does it? afternoon and good evening welcome to the latest episode of the glory in our stories i'm your host calvin wayne pennywell jr on this episode we'll be talking about the ideal well the the request this is and this is the personal request from me i was recently asked whenever i do interviews um, with or without someone as a as a guest am i talking to myself or talking to a particular um persona and I, I realized that I'm always talking to myself, always. So uh, whenever I mention something, it's, it's, I'm always looking in the mirror. Whether I've looked in the mirror prior to recording the episode, um, I'm always talking to Calvin to remind myself this is what I need to do. Uh, but the title of this episode is Stop Being Wrong About Yourself. Stop Being Wrong About Yourself. The reason why this is the uh, topic for this episode is because this is actually something that I'm transitioning through uh, the idea of, of of learning more about who I really am, learning more um, that there's more to me than I understand. The reason why this comes up is because over the last few months, I've come to the realization that there's a certain narrative that I've been living by. And living by that narrative has has dictated my decisions, has dictated my perspectives, has dictated how I interact with other other people. Um, and I've learned it's actually been doing more harm to myself than other people. And to be honest, it's probably been doing more harm to others. I'm just not aware about it. Um, well, I'm not aware of it. Um, so. I thought that this would be a good subject to tackle. So I'm going to be using a few uh, biblical references that I thought would would help because I, I, I believe that uh, the best way to learn something or appreciate something is to see yourself in it. You know, a lot of us have been watching films, listening to music, seeing all aspects of entertainment and the sports arena or just people in our lives. Um, it, it'd be nice to see ourselves in those people to to see things human to human, but not just human to human, spirit to spirit. So I realized that one of the reasons why, like, for instance, for myself, uh, one of the 
difficult things about reading the Bible um, was I couldn't see myself in the Bible. Um, but the funny thing is, you're able to see yourself in someone the more you learn about who that person is and what they've gone through. So I remember um, interviewing a recent guest about a couple of episodes back and after listening to him I was like yo we have a lot in common and this was like even prior to us recording so I was like wow wow like we have so much in common man and there's just a lot that we still got to catch up on so um but anyway um going back to the idea of living by a narrative and understanding that that narrative is something that dictates our the trajectory of our lives is usually something that we bestow upon ourselves um, specifically if everyone else is agreeing with it uh, and that's even um, a setback and that's a disadvantage and that is a unhealthy way to live life um, and that is living off other people's expectations and the more you hear these expectations, the more you start forming a narrative of your own. And when you go off to be by yourself, you honestly start believing um, these assumptions and these ideas instead of actually examining who you are. Not only that, examining what you've gone through and actually considering in full detail where you want to go. So um, for myself, I don't mind getting personal. Um, as a kid I was and I think I've mentioned this before I have been living off the idea that because I was the youngest in my family um, that I had I was always on the receiving end of wisdom I was always on the receiving end of anything if you think of something with layers like a layer cake for instance if you drizzle chocolate on top of the lay on top of the cake the, the that that bottom layer it's not going to get the same amount of chocolate as the first one because the first one might catch most of it and then eventually that bottom layer just gets what's left over either way it goes someone has already touched some layers have already been touched by the chocolate and you just get what everyone else gets opposed to being the first in line and there's a privilege that comes with that. That means it's all it's already been filtered. It's already been managed. It's already um, um, been um, been possessed. In a sense, says, "Hey, this is it's 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 already it's gone through a couple of layers before it got to you." Um, hopefully, around the time that anything gets to you, it, it comes in its most pure form. Well, it comes in its most safe form i'll put it that way so you know our parents filter when we were kids they filtered the way we we watch television uh, we filter the music that we listen to and usually even when you listen to music on hip-hop stations nowadays they bleep out curse curse words i remember listening to a song and it was so many bleeps and the in the song that this song was like maybe ended up being like a minute or something a minute and some change and that's probably how much of the song you actually heard without so many pauses so when you get something in its purest form you get it in its fullness and um, 
I felt like in my life, I've always gotten things that's been handed down, even if it's wisdom. And there's appreciation in that. You know, I was being protected. I believe God protected me uh, via my sisters and my mom in the way that I've grown up because God only knows which directions I've actually could have gone. So, um, and but in relation to you as the listener, I guess, the, the, again, the question is, what narrative are you telling yourself? And if it's a narrative that you are starting not to believe and it's a narrative that's actually um, causing a setback in your success or, or, or a setback in your, your own personal evolution, then it's time to stop being wrong about yourself and it's, tar it's, it's time to start being right. So I wanted to use uh, three different passages in, in scripture um, to reference these three different ideas um, in relation that, bran that branches off from the title of this podcast, which is Stop Being Wrong About Yourself. Um, before I even start, um, if you can, when you get the opportunity, like actually examine things that you actually like about who you are. Sometimes we get so caught up in our mistakes, um, get so caught up in people's complaints about who we are and what we've done that we we start believing that that's who we are. And it's not. It's not who we are. And the more we feed into that, um, the more we we start to morph into this idea into other people's expectations. I remember watching, uh, if you haven't seen it, the, the movie Megamind, when you have the good guy, you have the bad guy. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's been, it's it, it has surpassed its time for you to watch it, which means these are no longer spoiler alerts. You've had the opportunity to watch it. So, uh, but anyway, um, within the movie, there's a superhero and then there's a villain. But you get the opportunity to see both of them grow up like from childbirth and then you get so caught and then you, you you get an opportunity to see that they went through the same things childhood you know um uh, either being raised by a parent or being disregarded and um coming up um with different experiences and you you megamind who is you know the, the villain of the movie actually start becomes the hero um, despite his methods and despite the narrative that he fed into um, as, as an individual um, he actually became the one that people were cheering for so the question is you know what what narrative are you feeding into and what what story are you sticking to so the first scripture that uh, first passage of scripture that I wanted to point out um, was is pertaining to Moses. Um, this first, this first aspect, I highlighted it by saying you are not defined by your past. That's the first thing. You're not defined by your past. No matter what you've done, no matter what your record says, no matter what's still posted on social media, you're not who you are. You're not who you were. Sorry, you're not who you were, and you're not who you are in those photos. As in, you're not who you are. It's 2021. You're not who you are in the photo in 2011. So, I, I, one of my ex-girlfriends actually 
I think she took it down. I'm not sure, but I remember uh, years, years ago, uh, me like after we broke up, there were still pictures of me and her on her page, and I was like, wow, I thought she would have taken it down by now. She probably has, probably forgotten. Uh, but her life is going on. She's gotten married, had kids, and I was like, wow. Looking at that photo, I'm pretty certain she can look at it and say, I'm not the same person I was when I was with him. Just like me, I can say I'm not the same person I was when I was with her. Um, you're gonna, I'm just gonna let you know now. You're gonna hear footsteps and stuff because I'm recording this in a school and I'm like on the first floor, so people are gonna be coming down from whatever they're coming from. So, um, again, so this first point is you are not defined by your past. Um, the title of this uh, part of the scripture is uh, the part of this chapter in the Bible is Moses commits murder and flees to Midian. This is Exodus 2 uh, verses 11 through uh, 15. Um, so at this point, uh, Moses, as you all know, if you if you don't know, uh, Moses um, was born uh, as an Israelite and um, he was, um, it was around this time when they were um, killing, you know, firstborn children, firstborn Israelites. And um, Moses' mom wanted to protect him. So Moses' mom put him in a basket, sent him down this, uh, the river. And, 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 and Pharaoh's wife got a hold of him and raised him. Um, and so Moses was, was raised in Egyptian royalty, uh, despite his, his race and his ethnicity. And obviously, they didn't know. So Moses is, is raised up with Pharaoh. You know, they're basically brothers, so to speak. And at this point, you know, Moses gets older and an incident happens where he does something that's probably out of his character. And it's something that at this moment defines him. So I'm going to read uh, the passage. It's Exodus 2 verses 11 through 15. In the course of time, Moses grew up. Then he went to see his own people, who were the Israelites, and watched them suffering under watched them suffering under forced labor. He saw a Hebrew, one of his own people, being beaten by an Egyptian. He looked all around, and when he didn't see anyone, he beat the Egyptian to death and hid the body in the sand. When Moses went there the next day, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. He asked the one who started the fight, "Why are you beating another Hebrew?" The man asked, who made you our ruler and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought that everyone knew what he had done. When Pharaoh heard what Moses had done, he tried to have him killed. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and settled in the land of Midian. Um, so, yeah, at this point, Moses killed a man um, and he saw social injustice took matters into his own hands and killed someone um, even though Moses thought that he was his actions were probably justified um, I'm pretty certain he felt some form of shame and to have somebody reiterate what he's done it's like adding fuel to the fire so at this point um, he uh, Moses is ashamed of what he's done so he flees and at this point uh, this is a narrative that he's feeding himself like beyond this i'm probably not worthy of anything that comes my way because this is what i've done and i'm pretty certain that we've all done something 
that's still um, etched in time is still uh, documented like if we um, had a, a certain record certain uh, incident on our record um, the, the type of relationships that we've had with people things that we've said on social media you know it's probably easy to erase it but due to technology you can screenshot what somebody says and they can send it if you're an entertainer they can send it to a uh, a, a news station and um, have them exploit you you know that could happen and people get so caught up in something that you've done I'm pretty certain people recall um, when Kevin Hart uh, made it said an incident about uh, that an incident where he said something that offended the uh, the LGBTQIA community plus community, and this is something that happened over maybe ten years ago. But they have brought it up, and because of it, he um, lost his opportunity to present at an award show, and he went on this 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 tour of basically apologizing and justifying what he did, and. But at that moment, Kevin Hart was defined by something he did, something he did. So in this incident, Moses uh, was defined by a murder. Uh, and in Moses's eyes, he was defending his people. And sometimes we get so caught up in what we've done. Um, for me, I mentioned this before. Um, I aborted my child um, with I mean, with one of my exes when I was 25 years old and for a long time, I blamed, actually, um, I, I was blaming her for a while. That just goes to show how uh, narrow-minded and selfish I was even after the fact. But I was blaming her for a moment because I was like, well, it was your body and you had control. But I was like, no, it took two people to do this. So that was something that I held on to and I thought I wasn't worthy you know, of anything that followed. I wasn't worthy of a better relationship. I even wasn't worthy of a child, you know? So, but these, that was the narrative I fed myself for a while until I actually decided to embrace that experience so that it defined my decision-making in the future. And now I'm married. Uh, my wife and I are, uh, hopefully one day we'll have kids, but I can practice uh, the idea of starting a family within the realms of marriage where it was intended and it's it's more of a safe space for us to do so um, but for a long time I held on to that I held on to that so um, yeah um, so yeah you are not defined by your past thought I'd take this opportunity to take a quick break uh, but continue to listen and we'll be right back What's up, Tick listeners? So I just wanted to take a, a quick second to promote the idea of trying something different. Uh, say, for instance, you've been doing something for a while. And when I mean a while, you've been doing it for years. Um, but now that you have gotten older or maybe things have changed, those methods are not working anymore. So what are you doing to improve 
um, your lifestyle, uh, whether it's your health, uh, whether it's your uh, finances, whether it's your career, uh, whether it's your mental health, whether it is your circle of friends. What are you doing to improve your current circumstance? Um, I do recommend that if you can take time for yourself, um, seek counseling, um, self pamper. If you are married or if you're involved in a relationship, see if you can get some time to yourself. Um, one thing that I've lear I'm learning with my wife is that though we are one, we're still individuals. We still have individual dreams, aspirations, interests. Um, we still like different types of shows and different types of movies. I'm in a process where I'm watching like criminal movies and documentaries about people that uh, you know, did serial killings or drastic events that happened, or um, like there's this show on Netflix called Cowboy. I mean, uh, what is it? Cocaine Cowboys uh, about the two drug lords that were in uh, Miami. Forgot their names, and uh, the, the the way that they went about their business ended up affecting so many people and costing um, the city and the system so much money. Like it was crazy, uh, but these are things that my wife will probably not watch with me. So I, sometimes I take the opportunity to, you know, to tend to myself because you still need to feed who you are. Um, hopefully you don't lose yourself in the process. So take care of yourself. And again, if it's if it, if it can be done, try something different um, so that you can get stronger. You become healthier and become more aware of not of not just of who you are but who you are becoming and now back to the episode and welcome back uh, to the latest episode of the glory not stories titled uh, stop being wrong about yourself. Stop being wrong about yourself. So, um, as I was saying before, I was talking about uh, Moses. Um, at that moment, was defined uh, before God called him to free his people, um, to free his God's children of Israel uh, from the captivity of Egypt. Um, Moses was defined by a murder, uh, murdering a, an Egyptian guard. And um, he he flee he he fleed from that because at that moment he was like yo not only is this something that I witnessed but this is probably something I'm gonna hear about for the rest of my life if I stay here so let me go somewhere where I don't have to worry about this um, but sometimes we all know that just because you leave a location physically doesn't mean you've left mentally so uh, this next part I wanted to. Um, focus on was uh, this next this next the second aspect which is um, which is uh, where you are may be tiresome but where you're headed is better for you and everyone involved again where you are may be tiresome but where you're headed is better for you and everyone involved now, in this particular uh, passage of scripture, talking about uh, Joseph, uh, Joseph and his many brothers, um, Joseph was uh, the youngest at the point 
of all his brothers and you know Mo, uh, Joseph came to his brothers said in a dream um, metaphorically that eventually they will bow down to him and you know initially you think you know it's very egotistical of you to say and it's probably how his his brothers felt they, they got their feelings hurt so to speak um, they took great offense to it which I don't blame them if, if my this I, I cannot like if I was to think back to telling my sisters my older sisters yo one day y'all gonna come to me for advice and one day y'all gonna need me and for me to say that at, at what 12 years old I can only imagine you know the, the, the confused expressions they would have had <laughs> even my mom so um, but I wanted to focus on this uh, because if you don't know the backstory of Joseph Joseph uh, was slow was sold into slavery by his by his brothers and Joseph went through this entire process from being sold into slavery um, um, to basically being of high rank and to the point where his brothers his family came to him for provisions so um, I guess I'm going to start off uh, with the onset of, of, of Joseph's journey uh, this starts in Genesis 37 verses 3 through 8 Jacob which is Joseph's father Jacob loved Joseph more than he did any of his other sons because Joseph was born after Jacob was very old Jacob had given Joseph Joseph a fancy coat to show that he was his favorite son and so Joseph's brothers hated him and would not be friendly to him one day, Joseph told his brothers what he had dreamed, and they hated him even more. Joseph said, let me tell you about my dream. We were out in the field, tying up bundles of wheat. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles gathered around and bowed down to me, and bowed down to it. His brothers asked, do you really think you are going to be king and rule over us? Now they hated Joseph more than ever because of what he had said about his dream. Then I continue, and because at this point Joseph is young, and they're like, "What in the world are you talking about?" And he, you know, Joseph was given this coat of many colors, you know, because he was highly favored and highly appreciated, and all that pissed his brothers off. So they sold Joseph into slavery. Um, I jump to uh, Genesis 50 because uh, at this point uh, Joseph has gone through what he's uh, gone through. Um, he, um, man, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy what, what he went through, um, in the, um, personally and even, even probably spiritually as probably at some point, you know, I can only think of myself what I would have thought if I actually was sold into slavery by people that I loved, people that I thought cared about me and to be rejected in that sense and basically left for dead. You know, you can only uh, uh, imagine the psychology of it and what you had to undergo. So, um, so we we move, we skip to Genesis 50. This is the late, the latter um, part of, of of Joseph's life, where he runs back into his family. His family comes to him seeking provisions. So, this is uh, the the. Uh, the, the part of the Bible, uh, this section in particular is titled Joseph's Promise to His Brothers. And it's Genesis 50 verses uh, 15 through 21. 
After Jacob died, Joseph's brothers said to each other, what if Joseph still hates us and wants to get even with us for all the cruel things we did to him? So they sent his mess this message to Joseph. Before our father died, he told us, you did some cruel and terrible things to Joseph, but you must ask him to forgive you. Now we ask you to please forgive the terrible things we did. After all, we serve the same God that your father worshiped. When jo Joseph heard this, he started crying. Right then, Joseph bro bro Joseph's brothers came and bowed down to the ground in front of him and said, we are your slaves. Isn't that irony? Going back to Joseph's initial dream. But Joseph told them, and this is when he, the, the, the humility comes in. Don't be afraid. I have no right to change what God has decided. You tried to harm me, but God made it made it turn out for the best so that he can save all these people as he is now doing. Don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your children. After Joseph said this, his brothers felt much better. Yo, right then, let me go back to 18, verse 18. Right then, Joseph's brothers came and bowed down to the ground in front of him. Yo, if, 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 if there was somebody who was completely narcissistic and self-centered and revengeful, if I can use such a word, if it exists, I would have said, yo, just like my dreams, I told you, I told you. But that's not what Joseph did. Joseph said, don't be afraid. I have no right to change what God has decided. Yo, so God, God decided to allow that to happen to him because for what? Because what they meant for bad, God meant for good. That's obviously where that, that, that iconic scripture reference comes from. Joseph could have been uh, spiteful. And it's so easy for somebody to say, yo, what happened to you happened for a reason. Now, I'm going to tell you something that's very difficult to understand. When you've gone through what you've gone through, when people have been spiteful to you, when people have abused you on so many levels, it is very difficult on a human level, on a logical uh, plane to be like, yo, how is this beneficial for me? How is this going to help me? If anything, it's going to put me in a chair across from a, a, a psychologist and they're going to prescribe me medicine for depression and they're going to diagnose me with something. And now I'm going to have issues with that for the rest of my life. How is this experience going to help me? And I and I and I get that. I get that. But I'm gonna come back to I'm gonna come back to that in a moment. Um, so at this point, Joseph has has, has gone through this, this process of life of being left for dead and now being in a position where his brothers are bowing down to him. But he says, God meant this for good. He made good out of this. Um, this last part is the third part, and that is remember that your mess is part of the bigger message. Um, this is actually a pawn because if you look at the word message, it's M-E-S-S-A-G-E. -S -S and I say remember that your mess, M-E-S-S, -S, is part of the bigger message. Um, and, and this biblical reference is in, in relation to King David, who was the father of King Solomon. Um, the wisest man that ever lived, King Solomon, that is. And um, at this point, uh, David, you know, he's made king. David, David, 
as in David and Goliath. Um, takes the stone, knocks the Goliath out, cuts his head off with his Goliath's own sword, comes king. Um, David has an unlikely, um, the odds of David becoming king based on the process in which he got to where he was, was very unlikely. A lot of people wouldn't have thought that David would have became king, but he did. Now, uh, David had a, a run-in um, where he he was he was at the top of his at the top of uh, at the top of his building, and he he looked across the way, and he saw this gorgeous woman bathing, and he allowed his lust to take over him and consume him so he said yo i want her but her name was bathsheba ironically this woman was bathing her name is bathsheba that was not a mistake i don't think pretty certain that was not a mistake that was not a coincidence either uh, but bathsheba is the wife of uriah uriah that is you as in university r-i-a-h um so you know bathsheba's already married and uriah is a part of the military so David took it upon himself to take Bathsheba Bathsheba got pregnant and he was like yo how can I fix this I don't want people to know that their king got another man's wife pregnant and he was like oh I got an idea since Uriah is a part of the military and we are at war and there's a war going on, let me put Uriah on the front line so that he can die. So when he passes away, I can take Bathsheba and then people will see that, you know, my first child, that, that my child came from Bathsheba. And if the child wasn't conceived, um due to uh infidelity hmm i think that'll work so this is second samuel 11 verses 18 through 21 i'm gonna read that right quick um in the morning it happened that david wrote a letter to joab and sent it by the hand of uriah and he wrote in the letter saying set uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retreat from him that he may be struck down and die so it was while Joab besieged the city that he assigned Uriah to a place where he knew they were valiant men. Then the men of the city came out and fought with Joab. And some of the people of the servants of David fell and Uriah the Hittite died also. Yo, this, this was very, very messy very messy of David um, if you ever read the book of Psalms uh, David goes through this roller coaster of lamenting you know who he is uh, lamenting the people even even going against the people um, and seeing the wrong and and people being human beings and, and and also going to the point where he's praising God and he's just this bowl of emotion at this point Despite David's cowardly move, the Bible says that David is a man after God's own heart. 
God knew that. God also knew that David was going to um, uh, partake of Bathsheba and have a child with her. He knew that was going to happen. But he still used it. He used it. So just because David made that decision didn't stop God's plan to bring about Solomon in the future. David produced one of the most, probably the wisest man, the richest man to ever live. And if you read between um, uh, David's death and Solomon's um, beginning of his reign, you will see that David is properly preparing Solomon for his rule. And it's one of the most perfect examples of fatherhood. I know that's a different subject, but the way that David is setting, setting up Solomon is the perfect example of what a father should do for his son, let alone his children. Um, but on this particular subject, um, Moses, uh, Joseph, and David, King David, they all have different stories and different parts of their lives where they could have been defined by their past. But God has something better in mind. Now, I'm going to leave you with this. And I, and I think it's, it pretty much sums all this up. Have you ever been in the kitchen and you're cooking something? And you probably put too little or put too much in something. And you have the one person that comes in the kitchen that doesn't measure anything by a measuring cup. It could be your uncle. It could be your aunt, your mom, grandmother, grandfather. It doesn't matter. But somebody comes in and they say, hey, what happened? And you're like, man, I, I put too much salt. I put too much, too much pepper. I put too much chili powder. I put too many beans. I, put, I didn't put enough, put enough meat. And they, and they look at it. They smell it. And they look at you and they, they nod their head and they're like, yo, we can, we can, we can use this. We can use it. And you're like, really? Yeah, yeah, we can use it. So like good cooks, God can use everything thrown into your pot, everything thrown into your pot. So changing, speaking of recipes, changing the narrative to create something good to create something wholesome to create something that's going to benefit everyone that comes after you that is the the goal that is the goal so i i wanted to do this episode to remind you that whatever you went through whatever somebody did to you whatever you did to yourself god can use it you can use it I'm not trying to justify what happened to you. I'm not trying to justify the people that harmed you. Even justify the harm you've done to yourself. Many of us have made some bad decisions. Many of us have made bad decisions in response to other decisions. Many of us have been hurt by people physically, mentally, spiritually, uh, and psychologically. Many of us have been left for dead. Um, like Joseph, many of us have done some awful things and have flee, tried to flee our past like Moses. Many of us have been in high power, have come to a, a certain point of, of, of success only to do something 
so morally wrong. Um, and even to the point where it affects somebody else. When we pull other people into our mess, that hurts, yo. When you pull other people's lives, they get tangled into our um, bad choices. But like a good cook, God can take all those ingredients and say, yo, we can use this. So I encourage us. Yes, I encourage us to change our narratives. I, I encourage us to to focus just on how good we really are because of our creator. I'm in a season now where my wife is reminding me instead of saying, what's the worst that can happen? Start saying, what's the best that can happen? What's the best? I know it's hard for a lot of us to grasp. And I, and I know we look at ourselves and we look at our wounds. We look at the scratches. We look at the evidence of other people's disasters. Other people's selfishness. selfishness, And we say, yo, man, this sucks. This sucks a lot. But if you are in a place where you weren't before, if you find yourself holding the staff, leading um, God's people, like Moses, if you find yourself in front of your family that disregarded you and you're supplying them with their needs, like Joseph, if you find yourself in a position where you can do great things, but you slipped and you fed into your humanity you fed into your flesh and you are um, maybe unsure if you're fit to lead if you find yourself in those positions um, remember the best that can happen the good that can come from your decisions um, from your desire to not allow your past to determine your future remember that uh, God loves you um, he loves you unconditionally he says that you're worth it his son says that you're worth it so um, I hope this helped you in any way um, thank you for listening to the latest episode of the glory and I'm uh, the glory in our stories while well, my tongue is just twisting um, Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of The Glory in Our Stories with your hosts, Calvin Wayne Pennywell Jr. Uh, this is the episode titled, Stop Being Wrong About Yourself. Yo, thank you for listening. Tune in next time for the latest episode of The Glory in Our Stories. Mm -hmm.